morning in Encounter Church. My name is Debbie with a V, Titus, and I truly am the older Titus woman teaching the younger women, as you read about in Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. And so we have prayed for Encounter Church since it was impregnated by the Holy Spirit into the vision and the spiritual wombs of your pastors. And this is my first time to see you. So you, it's, a, it's just a thrill. Larry has been here a number of times. We came into town this weekend for one of my family members' weddings here. And so I was more excited to meet you than to go to the wedding. Please don't tell them that. But we called immediately um, to see, okay, what's going on at Encounter? We're going to be in town. I think we invited ourselves, didn't we? <laughs> but uh, it is so special. I can't wait for my husband to minister to you. I just want to be very brief. But that big book that you saw on the home experience is now a brand new updated version. This is what it looks like now. My, our daughter and I co-authored this book together, and I am inviting you to our home for four days. And I do home mentoring intensives, eight ladies at a time, from Thursday to Sunday, training women from all over the world, literally. I start one this Thursday when I get home. All of the group will be from Brazil on this particular one, so we do bilingual. And I have had over 1,200 women in my home, eight at a time. Because, yes, we speak to crowds, but unless we mentor, unless we engage in relationship, we cannot make disciples. And this is open to the public, and you are welcome to come. You can just visit the website. I would love to be your older Titus woman, your mom, for four days. And my daughter is part of this ministry. My mother, who is 95 years old, is part of this ministry. We have a generational blessing on our family. And many of you are first-generation believers. And that blessing is transferable through principles, not just the laying on of hands. So I know that um, it was already mentioned earlier, but remember when God called Moses, he gave Moses a strategy and he gave him a plan. When he built the tabernacle, he said, I want you to do exactly what I'm telling you to do. And so now that you have been set free, all things have passed away, all things are becoming new, you need to know how to make that new life fulfilled in your marriage, in your home, and in your family. Because the home is the basis for human society, and it is the institution that God designed to be the place where the human heart will be formed. And that is the essence of what I do. I help you to understand God's principles in a very succinct way, defining them clearly so they're transferable into your hearts and you can transfer them into others. So God gave me a plan to create an underground revolution of revelation that has swept the nation, literally, of Brazil. In America, we've penetrated it somewhat. And I was praying, and this year, he said, said, I want you to publish in Spanish because 55 million Americans speak Spanish and they don't have this material printed in their language. So focus on America, on Spanish speaking, and this will be our launch um, on Mother's Day. We will have Teleos Man to make disciples with men. These are transferable um, materials. So you are the one in your neighborhoods that will transfer these principles once you embrace them. So it's a pleasure to be here. It's wonderful to meet you and truly experience the presence I was ministered to today. Thank you for ministering to me. God bless you. I had a pastor call me. He said, can your wife speak on this certain date? And I said, uh, no, I'm available. And he said, we don't want you. We just want her. <laughs> Such an incredible joy to have my wife here today. We're so blessed to be here. Ten years. I love this church. I love your pastors. 
that we could be here on this momentous occasion. And I can tell you this will be the last time you ever see this occasion because God is moving so fast. You will never again see what you see now because it's explosive. Uh, as uh, the scripture that I quoted uh, while I was praying for you out of Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 4, God said to Moses, I want you to come up and I'm going to show you the details of the tabernacle. So in prayer, God showed him the future. And God is going to give you the picture of the tabernacle of this church in prayer. So it will not be borne by committee meetings. It will not be borne by elders uh, giving their good ideas or by saints from the pew contributing theirs. But it will be born because you and God will have an encounter. And God said, don't touch my service, Moses, because I talked to him face to face. Not in visions, not in dreams, but I talked to face to face. And I'm just telling you, the future of this church is humongous. It's huge. That's going to impact uh, not only this entire city, but it's going to impact the world. Because there's something that God has done so foundational that it will contain a big building. You've got a lot of pillars here that God has set here. He says, I will make you pillars in the temple of my God. And he's not talking about the New Jerusalem because the New Jerusalem doesn't have a temple because Jesus is there and the Father is there. Well, I have one message that's going to be out of, by the way, this couple in the front row, I, I'm not telling you this because I heard you speak. I'm telling you this because I, I, I heard the Holy Spirit before uh, while I was worshiping down here. That God has... That God has uh, uh, is taking all of your past in preparation for the now. That every single thing that you did has been rehearsal. That you have not experienced anything to compare with what God is doing now. And you, you know these scriptures yourself out of Corinthians 2. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered your heart. But God has already revealed in the Spirit. And everything has been preparatory for the now. But you're going to experience an encounter with God and a revelation and a release unlike anything you've done in the past. And it's going to be all God. And you can just fasten your seatbelt and watch God without all the sweat that you put into the past. You've already paid your dues and it's called faithfulness. Now watch the promotion. Watch the promotion. And the promotion will not have human fingerprints on it. It will be nail-scarred hands. And the anointing of God on the two of you is just beyond anything that I could ever express. I'm only confirming what God has said. And everybody said amen. amen. Now, I want to I give you just one scripture, and I'm just, I have to describe it, so I'm not, you don't even need to put the scripture up there unless you like putting scriptures up there, which I love anyway, but that's okay, because it may confuse you because I want to give you a picture. Uh, the final, this is found in John chapter number 7, is the final day of the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the last festival of Israel and is the last day of the last feast. And on this particular day, uh, you hear Jesus saying, if, if anyone thirsts, let him come after me. Well, right now it's already exciting because I'll release in him rivers of living water, which he meant the Holy Spirit. And how many know those that are baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's like a gusher, it's like... You know, it's, it's like Lake Mead has uh, burst through the dam. <clears throat> we were um, in the Amazon River Basin not too long ago. <clears throat> it's nearly the longest river in the world. Uh, it's probably Niles, the longest river, but there's no comparison between the water flow. It's 30 miles across during the high season, during the flood season, 30 miles across. 1,000 tributaries. And when I was preparing this message, the Lord spoke to me that there are tributaries all through. <laughs> you all are 1,000 tributaries, carriers of the river. 1,000 tributaries here. The Amazon River has more species of fish than the Atlantic Ocean. It, it comes from many different countries, pour into the Amazon, and the basin itself of the Amazon takes one-third of the nation. It is, it is the largest per volume uh, distributor of water in the world. But we had the one who created it spoke these words. How many know the one who made the river? Yeah. Who, know, uh, who knows what his name is? Whenever 
I think about the river. I think of the Amazon. I also think of the Colorado. I also think of the Mississippi. Which, by the way, are you interested in trivia with has absolutely no anointing on it, but <laughs> the Mississippi is not the longest river in America. Do you know what it is? The Missouri River is the longest river in America. Wow, that's amazing, huh? And everybody said, hallelujah, this just made my day. <laughs> when, when I consider Jesus speaking of the river, he described it not in the temple of Jerusalem. He described it inside you. He described it not as coming from the symbolism that was occurring just then. So let me give you a quick picture. Uh, it is the final day of the feast. His brothers are trying to get him to rush there so he can show off. But how many know that Jesus doesn't need to show off? He does not need to show off. He does not need any kind of a platform. The Father does his works. So he stands and he cries out, but it is the word shout. It is a shout. If you're thirsty, come to me. My mother, who preached for 32 years and became literally the fountainhead for my ministry, my wife's ministry, my daughter, my son, my grandkids. Back when she began to preach, this chorus was very, very common, very familiar. And I remember multitudes, just literally multitudes singing, Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. And everybody cried, and everybody really sincerely wanted that. And mom said, don't sing that chorus. I don't like that chorus. She said, why are we singing fill my cup when God has given us rivers? You want a cup of the Holy Spirit and God wants to release rivers? And religion provides these cups, probably not more than communion size. These cups and God has released rivers. So we don't understand what he has done. So at the same time this is happening, actually just prior to this time, the priest has been doing what he has been doing every single day for the, first, the previous seven days. He goes down with the multitude to the, to the little sister, the little aquifer called the Pool of Siloam at the end of Hezekiah's tunnel, and he gets water several hundred feet down below where the Temple Mount is, and the priest will then, the high priest will take the water back. And I can imagine like religious ceremonies do today with joy. And they're, they're, he's quoting these words or chanting these words out of Isaiah chapter 12 verse 3. With joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. With this deadpan expression that has been going on for 1,400 years. Carrying his little decanter of water with joy. Shall you draw water? How many have seen Christians with this kind of joy? With joy. I asked a man one time, are you a Christian? He said, yes. I said, I wouldn't tell anybody if I were you. Whatever you have, I don't want. How many know that it is not fun to partake of rancid water? It is not fun to partake of tepid water. It's not fun to experience Dead, dry religion, which is why every single mainline denomination in America has been failing for decades. It's because people want reality, and the reality of churches that preach the word without compromise and allow the Holy Spirit to move is burgeoning, is bursting, is exploding. So the priest goes back, and on day number seven, he is surrounding the brazen altar seven times, pouring water out, and as an oblation, he's pouring it out on the, on the altar, and the people are throwing down their willow branches and trampling on their palm fronds. They're quoting out of, out of Psalm 113, 118, and then they're giving this final degree of Hosanna, this final shout of Hosanna, Lord save, but the Lord is on the outside of the temple. He's not on the inside. He's on the outside of the temple. And everybody is standing in the religious edifice waiting for the priest to make the final hosanna. And Jesus screamed, screamed, if you want water, come to the river. Come to the river. 
out of your innermost beings, and it means the lower part of your part of your torso, out of your innermost beings shall flow rivers of living water. By the way, this church believes in speaking in tongues, which I believe in speaking in tongues. Something happens when you allow the Lord to take this unruly member called the tongue and begin to praise him in languages that didn't come from your brain. It releases rivers, rivers, rivers. And I have heard it said, and I'm not trying to insert this as a doctrinal argument because it really depends on what your interpretation is, but I have my own and it happens to be right. <laughs> is that there is something happens when it comes through your mouth. Say he's spirit-filled. I know, but something happens. I don't know why, but I believe speaking in tongues is a release of the river. I believe it is a release. Something happens. It transforms people. And these mild, timid people become bold in their witness. And, and they, they, the, the Peter who couldn't argue with the rooster leads 3,000 people to the Lord after the day of Pentecost. All because of the river. Me, I grew up as a very, very timid child. I'm very, very timid until I met my wife. She is continually breaking me out of my timidity. Whenever, whenever God begins to release rivers through us, something begins to happen. Now I'm going to quote Psalm 47, one of the original sermons that your pastor preached 10 years ago. At Easter time, whenever he began to preach out of, Revela uh, out of uh, Isaiah, uh, Ezekiel chapter number 47. And I want to give you kind of a picture of it, and then I want to bring down the, the analogy and bring down the relationship between uh, Ezekiel 47 and Jesus' encounter. Ezekiel chapter 40 to 48 all describe a temple that was to be futuristic. It's not, it wasn't Herod's temple, much, much bigger than Herod's temple, and it has very basic instructions. By the way, I don't know if you're aware of it, but Solomon's temple, Solomon never inquired of God when he made the temple, never. Moses spent 80 days in prayer before he built the tabernacle. Solomon spent more years on his own house than he did the temple. Never inquired of God. Never does it say anything about the Ark of the Covenant until after the temple was built. He began not with the Ark of the Covenant, which the tabernacle began with, but he began building a big porch. And then whenever he made the cherubim, he made them 15 feet tall. Can you imagine? He made these massive cherubim, these massive angelic creations, and this little tiny Ark of the Covenant because he was more interested in impressing people than he was in entertaining the presence of God. So chapter number 47, when he describes all of the accoutrements of the ark, uh, of the temple, and then he gets into chapter 47 and says, out of the threshold of the temple comes water. Now those that have been on Temple Mount know that there is no water on Temple Mount. Water is from, comes from the Gihon Springs. It comes from the Kidron Valley that goes into the Siloam Pool. There is no water there. To this day, there is no water there. It all has to be pumped in. Jerusalem is 2,000 feet above the Judean desert, above the literal sea level, and then another 1,500 feet. He sees something begin to trickle from under the threshold, under the threshold of the door and of the altar. It's water. How did water get up here? Then it becomes water to wade in and then water up to the knees, and then continues until it's water to swim in. And it flows down. It begins to flow the 3,500 feet down until it hits the, the, what's called the African Rift. And when it goes down there to the lowest point on the face of the earth, the Bible says it then flows into the Jordan. And as the Jordan makes its way to the Dead Sea, everywhere the river goes is healing. So trees begin to grow there on each side of the river, and they have seasonal fruit once per month. That's, that doesn't happen today. You can't have it today. There's got to be some kind of a solar change for that to happen. Monthly fruit, the same thing that is expressed in the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and 22. Monthly fruit, and everywhere it goes, life, 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 everywhere the river flows. Whenever it gets to the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea is no longer the Dead Sea. For the first time in 
2,000 years up to Christ, another 2,000 years, 4,000 years, the Dead Sea has been dead. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea until that river hits it. There's a river of God being released in the church right now, and it's being released not from a building but from people. Because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, there is no other temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16, 1 Corinthians 6.19. 2 Corinthians 6.16 tells you three times confirmation that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, there is a river that was released when the Holy Spirit began to move through you, and wherever you go and whatever you do, you bring life. Now, there's a caveat, and there's some qualifications there, because the river of life is, comes through your tongue, comes through your mouth, comes through your words. So prior to the river is John 4, and before the river is the artesian well. I would like to suggest that that artesian well is the very nature of God, which is love. You cannot have life words for anybody without love. You're a fake. You can have positive attitudes. You can have positive whatever you want, and you can make a lot of money out of it and sell a lot of books out of it. But if it doesn't come from the artesian well of love, it did not come from God because God is love. God is love. And wherever you go, if there's no love, they've not met God. There has got to be that private place where you and Jesus and God have such encounters that the very appearance publicly that has already been experienced privately, which is, God, I love you so much. And there becomes a heart transplant, and all that love begins to come in you. My dad was the worst preacher on the face of the earth. <laughs> My mother was one of the greatest preachers on the face of the earth. You could remember her sermons for 30 years, am I correct? You can remember anybody that has ever heard my mother preach can. Remember now, the average sermon is forgotten within five minutes from the time you leave the church. Of course, it's not the same with Pastor Zach, but with other less qualified men. I'm serious, statistically, five minutes. And I can ask you, what did the pastor say? I'll say, well, I can't remember, but it was good. Well, how good was it if you can't remember? You would remember Joseph Garland had introduced my wife and said, this is a daughter-in-law of Rachel Titus. She spoke here 12 years ago. How many remember? Everybody could re He said, how many could remember what she said? And everybody there raised their hand. You'd never forget. When you have that kind of an encounter, so then my mom was so incredible. But when my dad got up in the pulpit, he could kill it within five minutes. He could, he could kill the service. You just wanted to cry. We wanted to keep dad out of the pulpit. Don't say anything, dad. Introduce mom and sit down. He was horrible, and he couldn't sing, and he couldn't keep rhythm. So if we kept him in the pulpit at altar call time, he would divide the congregation into 20 different parts of rhythm and of tunes. He had no tonality at all. But you know what? My dad was so full of love that everywhere he went, he brought life. So mom and dad would go to the mall, and he would excuse himself and sit on a bench, and by the time she got back, somebody would be born again because they couldn't resist his love. So he would get him to church, and she'd get him baptized in the Holy Spirit and healed. But they all came from dad. So he would go into a church, and they would take index cards of all the unsaved relatives. And dad would spend eight hours a day going to all of your relatives till everybody was saved. Get him in the church. You could not resist his love. So when he passed away, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that had been led to Jesus. And whenever he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, he started laughing. He never stopped laughing until the time he went to see Jesus. He laughed. He would get so full of the Holy Spirit. Laughter. It was like that artesian bubbling up inside my dad. Love. Love. I pray that everywhere, everywhere you go, there will be such love emanate out of you. Effusive love. Just spraying out on everybody. Artesians bubbling up. Love. 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 Out of that love comes words of life. 
words of life. You need to check your water. You need to check your water for salty, saltiness in your water and contamination in your water. Words that we say, what are the words we say? They're either going to destroy or build. They can't go both ways. James 4 says, it's not possible. James 3 says, it's not possible. You can't have fresh water and salty water coming out of the same spring. Yet I see believers, I see believers that speak to their children words that are death and words that are cursing and, and words that are put down. What are you doing? You've been called to give life. I was talking to a lady yesterday. Can you put up the picture there? She took these two children in. One was four and one was five and a half years of age. The neglect and the abuse was so horrible, they took them away from the parents. They had no food in the home. Their teeth had never been brushed for four or five years. It was horrible, horrible. The filth, the emotional, the physical, the sexual. Horrible the way that they treated these children. They took them into their house at four years of age and five and a half years of age. This one is a genius on the right. This girl on the left has so much compassion. You know why? Because their parents had so much love coming out of them that that love sparked the words and the words gave life. And these two children that had death inside them that were like animals now are exceptional. How many know that every one of you have a river of life? Every one of you. And your tongue has the choice of either releasing life or re releasing death. You have the ability, you have the ability, not just to believers, but to unbelievers. And let me tell you something else. I believe that God has chosen you as a giver of life, as one who is an emitter of life. I believe God, I believe God has called you to see your entire family and all your relatives saved. That the blood that saved you that is on the Tops to the door that everybody that walks in your house, <laughs> the love of God is going to snare them. The love of God is going to get them. How many know that this is going to be a place of love? You could just feel it. It's tangible. I'm a lover. I'm a hugger. I love everybody. I love, seriously, I love everybody. If you don't want to hug, get out of the church early because <laughs> I'm headed for you. I love strangers. People walk by and I just say, I just love you. I just love you. I just want to love everybody. I want to hug everybody. I want, I want to give people the life that comes out. God has called you to be that point of affirmation that brings heaven to earth. God wants to use you to bring that person that whenever you talk to people, they say, wow, something has changed. I feel different. God wants to use you to be that individual that says, no, I don't believe that. I believe God has made you special. You're not junk. You're not a failure. God is setting you up for greatness. He has designed you for greatness. And you release that in people like John the, John, uh, the Baptist did. When he said to Jesus, behold the lamb. When he said to Jesus, behold the lamb. He did what heaven had already declared. How many know that God always has to have a human being that will be a releaser of the water? It's not good enough just to have... Lord, your will on earth as it already is in heaven, Aristides. God, your will right now. Out of all the things that brings release to people, none right now is going to be greater than your words because words are creative. God created the world. So he sent his words, Psalm 10720, and he healed them. You don't even have to be in their presence. I bless them, Jesus. Well, what about those that do you wrong? What about those that pull in front of you in traffic? Oh, Jesus, bless them. Why not do that rather than, that makes me so mad. Why not speak words of life? Why not say to your children they're great instead of you'll never make it? Well, what if you never had families that did that to you? I tell you what, you got a father in heaven that trumps everything. And if your father thinks you're great, I don't care what anybody else says. I'm great. I can't even help it. Tell your neighbor I'm great, and I can't even help it. Just tell your neighbor. They have to understand, God does not create junk. He only creates people who are awesome. 
I speak life. I speak life. I speak life. I speak life. We had a little grandson. His name is his name is Landon. He was born when he was one year of age. We had our whole family. We thought this would be the last night that he would ever live. My grandson held him up and he said with his wife, Jesus, we give him back to you, Landon. We give to you. We give to you, Landon. We give to you. He, you gave him to us, so we're going to give him to you, Jesus. A few weeks later, the doctors performed a surgery and put a tracheostomy and put a tracheotomy there so that he breathed through a tube for the next three years. A lady came up from Brazil who had been literally raised from the dead. We said, pray for Landon. How many know that God wants to use you to heal the sick? Amen. Jesus was always sending people out to heal the sick. Matthew 10, Luke 10, Acts 1, Acts 2. He's always sending people out to heal the sick. Emotionally, physically, in every way. Heal them, your words, your words, your words. Stop negative words. Stop inflating things that are of the flesh and that are of the rationale that have nothing to do with what God wants to do in people's lives. Contradict the devil. Contradict the devil and give words of life. That everywhere you go, rivers just, my river just splashes over everybody. My river, everywhere I go, I'm going to splash. My wife, everywhere she goes, she brings positive. She can take the most negative situation and turn to positive because of the words that come out that are life-giving. Everywhere she goes, there's life and there's fruit and there's fish that swim in the Dead Sea. <laughs> Landon, they said, you will never, he, he never talked for four years. She prayed for him and he said his first word, hallelujah. <laughs> Which is not an easy word to say, hallelujah. <laughs> then the teacher sent a note home the following year said, your son is unbelievable. He's the greatest student, but he talks too much. And they said, hallelujah. <laughs> he talks too much. Then a year ago, they did testing on him, and they did testing, and, and they, they thought he might have autism, and the, the teachers and professionals came back and said, no, your son is a genius. How many know that we speak life into every situation? My kids are great. They've been designed for greatness. They have not been designed for failure. I've been designed for greatness. I've not been designed for failure. I carry the creative nature of God in me. And when I speak, God speaks through me. When I touch, God uses me. It's my hands become nail scarred. When I lay hands on people, he is the head, but I'm the body. Satan's under my feet. How many know the hands are connected to the body? The feet are connected to the body. Everywhere you go, the sole of your foot, Joshua 1.3. Everywhere you go in the city, just say, this is mine. I claim it for Jesus. Everywhere you drive, just say, this is mine. I claim it for Jesus. What is the size of the greater Vegas area? What's the population? Two million people in the greater Las Vegas. So whenever people ask you the size of your church, say two million. We're speaking life. We're speaking the salvation of the city. We're speaking what God is doing. Years ago, I, I picked up a... a, a cliche that had been used by several important evangelists said, San Francisco, if, if God doesn't allow judgment to come upon San Francisco, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. I want you to know that when Jesus was on the face of the earth, he says it's better for Sodom and Gomorrah than it would be for Bethsaida that said no to me. How many know if he can save a city with 10 righteous people, we're going to have revival in San Francisco too. God, by his Holy Spirit, is going to send the greatest revival on the face of the earth. Speak the things that God is doing, and then they come into actuality. God has not called us to speak things of the past, but prophesy things that do not exist. The worlds were created by things that do not exist, and your words make your future. I asked somebody one time, it was on a Thursday, I said, are we going to see a church on Sunday? They said, oh, no, I'm not feeling too well. I said, oh, you're going to be, you're going to be sick on Sunday too? And they said, yeah, probably. <laughs> and they were. They had already decided. They had already spoken. You know, I'll probably be sick. I'm going to be sick probably Monday too. I'm, you know. How many know that you're hung by your tongue? God is calling you to release that tongue, speaking things that do not exist. There's a river coming from the temple and it's you. Jesus screamed out, if any man is thirsty, let him come unto me. He's not interested in your teacup. He's interested in rivers, rivers of living water. 
You have no idea the influence of your lives wherever you go. Whatever you say, from now on, don't speak negative toward yourself or anybody else. Only positive. Whenever Zachariah and I'll have the worship team come because they'll think I'm through. It'll be in us. You may deceive him. Come ahead. I love Chris, by the way. By the way, I had a word for you, Chris, that the Spirit of the Lord has anointed Zach. He's also anointed you. Same, the same splashing of that anointing has come upon you, Chris. The same splashing. How many know that God wants to take the anointing and mantle everybody? The Bible says they were all baptized into Moses. They were all baptized into Moses, Corinthians 10. Praise God. Come up here. <clears throat> um, I forgot what I was going to tell you, so I'm just going to close with this illustration. And it was really good, too. It was probably a revelation that you'll never hear again. <laughs> but years ago, Debbie and I took a took a trip to Israel with my choir many years ago. This is probably before 1980. We've taken a lot of trips since then, more trips since then. But we took a trip to Israel and took with us a Messianic Jewish man that had just recently been saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and really considered himself a prophet. The only problem was he had so much bitterness in him that he always released bitterness. So I guess you could tell the way that he was a prophet. There was so much blood ruthless man ruthless ruthless but he was impressed with our youth and for some crazy reason I decided to take him with us and he, he said now don't offend the Jews of Israel by using the name Jesus use the name Yeshua if you want to but don't offend the Jews of Israel so I kept it in my mind one of the days of the tour we went to Matsada which is 1,000 feet directly above the, the floor of the Dead Sea, the surface of the Dead Sea. Ancient Herodian fortress, his castles, and then became literally a Roman fortress, and then we went up there, and it's so hot. You, I mean, the real danger is suffering a heat stroke. Seriously. So they warn you to hydrate yourself. They they warn you to, you know, watch the sun. Keep your head covered. Watch the effects of the sun. They can be deadly. My mother, who was prone to heat stroke, she decided to find a cool spot in one of the ancient Herodian ruins, went in there, and I went in to check, it, check out a, a checkup on her. So I walked into this place, and one of the ruins there that was covered, it was very cool, like the entrance to a cistern. Walked in there, and there was a Jewish lady and her son, an adult grown son. She was sitting down on the floor, and it looked like she was just about dead. She had suffered a heat stroke. And I said to the son, do you mind if I pray for her? And he said, no. And I started praying, and I forgot that I was to be nice. You know what? You got rivers inside you. How many know that rivers tend to flow? A river is not satisfied to stay as a reservoir. A river has to flow. And it has to be replenished from the cistern and the rather artesian of love. And I prayed for her, and as I'm praying for her, I said, in the name of Jesus. And then as soon as I said it, I thought, uh-oh, I've already offended. Might as well go ahead and pray the rest. I prayed for her, and, and whenever I opened my eyes, you could see her color. I mean, I'm talking about like this, coming up. And her eyes open, and her eyes get bright. They got in the same gondola on the way down from the top of Matsada that my mom was in. They said, who is that man? <clears throat> my mom just said, that was my son. And, and they just expressed the deepest gratitude. And, you know, whether you're Jewish or whether you're Muslim, when you're thirsty, you need water. And when you're lost, you need water. And when you have chains that need to be broken, you need something that is going to break them. 
And you, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Had nothing to do with me. It has to do with the river that is on the inside of me. No wonder Jesus screamed out. He wants you to release the rivers of life. From the resource of the love of God that is inside you, let that love come out with life. Promise yourself today, no more negative talking. No more speaking death to people. No more speaking death to yourself. No more parroting the words of Satan. But speak the words of heaven. God is calling you to reach a city. There's enough water in this room to fill Lake Mead. There's enough water in this room to saturate this entire city. You're going to see things in your lifetime coming out of you that you had no idea. As God, by His grace, releases you, releases you. In the name of Jesus, stand with me, please. In the name of Jesus, I want to be a releaser of that river. I want to see hundreds and thousands of people drink from the water that is inside me. For many of you, the devil has already lied and told you, well, I'm just not really that great, that influential. I'll probably never reach. That as a lie of the devil. The same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus is in you. I want you to listen to me right now. The same Holy Spirit that is in Jesus is in you. That river is there. Speak it. Speak it. Speak it. Speak it. In the name of Jesus, let's begin to invite right now. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Have you noticed you just say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome, and it begins. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in me. Just make a commitment right now. Not only fill me, Jesus, I want to release you for the healing of people, for the salvation of people, for the encouragement of people. Just get your hands in the air and ask Jesus, flow through me, Holy Spirit. Flow through me, Holy Spirit. I want to release. I want to release the rivers, rivers, rivers of Holy Spirit anointing everywhere I go. Would you just touch somebody with your hand? Would you just touch somebody with your hand? Jesus, we release healing right now. We release healing right now. Just release him. Just release him. Release him. We speak healing to cancer. We speak healing to sugar diabetes. We speak healing to back problems. We speak healing to emotions. We speak healing to injuries. We speak healing. We release a river of love. Release a river of love. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let the Holy Spirit begin to worship in new languages. Begin to worship in new tongues. Begin to worship with new vocabulary. Let your tongue release rivers right now. Speak words of life. Rivers, rivers, rivers. If you need healing in your life, raise your hand up right now. Come on. If you're receiving that, raise your hand up. If you see someone with their hand raised, come on, put your hand on them and just release. You're a believer. You carry. You carry the life of God. Come on, we just release healing. Let's pray for one another just for a moment. Raise your hand if you need prayer. Find someone with their hand raised right now. Come on, look around the room. Just grab them and pray with them. In Jesus' name, Lord, we just release wholeness and life freedom 
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. That's it. Just take another moment or two. Release your prayer language again, would you? Come on, stir up, fan into flame the gift of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We say yes. We say yes. You know, one of the keys to seeing that river flow is just capturing God's heart. Larry said it when, when we just spending time with him in his presence, that heart transplant, his heart begins to beat within us. And we see people through the eyes of heaven and the river just flows. Lord, give me, give us your heart for people. Would you say that out loud? Say, Father, give me your heart for humanity, for all those around. Let the river flow in Jesus' name. Seal it with praise, would you? Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Honey, would you come? Would you just be seated just for a moment? We're going to do something real quick that's very important, and then we're going to dismiss you. And if there's anyone that needs prayer, we're going to have our prayer team come up. So prayer team, would you just kind of uh, softly pray and, and get ready for that? So the Bible says, um, if you honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. And I think that means just honoring somebody for who God made them. And Larry is a father, and their ministry is going to the nations. And so a way that we can honor is we can sow into 2 million people a year is what they reach. And that's significant that Las Vegas is about 2 million people. So let's just say yes to what God is saying to us to do. Let's sow big into the lives of Larry and Debbie. They mean so much to us. And that means they should mean a lot to you guys, too. So um, you can make checks out to Encounter Church. You can give online um, under guest speaker. And all of that will go to Kingdom Global Ministries. All right. So if you need an envelope, lift your hand up. Our host will get one to you. Everyone got an envelope when they came in? Everybody get an envelope. So raise your hands. Everyone. So, okay. That's what Pastor Zach said. So do it. All right. Have you guys enjoyed this morning? It's a good word. I just want to say thank you as the hosts are passing out envelopes. Thank you, faithful people of God, because without you, we would not want to do this. You are why 10 years we've, we're going to keep going. Every single one of your faces make it worth it every day. I love you all so much. All right, go ahead and give. Um, go ahead and give right now. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, you guys can pass that. And after you give, can you um, can you just stand up if you've already given, so that we know as soon as it goes all the way through. Because I'm gonna pray and, and bless and release you guys. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Who wants to go with me to Debbie's house? Let's do it, right? We're all going to go, ladies. Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Dallas. One time Larry said we look like Vegas. You guys look like Dallas. All right. Can you stand if you've given? Please stand with me. For our prayer team, can you guys come up and make yourselves available? I don't know about you, but I was blessed, convicted, and moved by the word of the Lord this morning. How our words can change and shape the future, and it changes everything. The Holy Spirit in us can change everything. So whatever you need this morning... God is here.
he is here and he loves you. He loves you. This whole row, you guys are all from Reading. Are you all part of, not everybody? Okay. A few of us. Oh, okay. Awesome. Thank you for being here. Are you still serving on uh, staff at Bethel? Or are you in different, just volunteer? Okay. Well, bless your time here. Can you just lift your hands? And I just want to pray a blessing over you. Refreshing rain from heaven. Just stretch your hands forward. I just felt like the Holy Spirit just arrested that moment. And on all of you that are here visiting, we just bless you right now. Lord, thank you for that river of heaven, your presence flowing, flowing, flowing. Wholeness and healing if there's anything physical. Lord, we just thank you for alignment. Thank you for healing in the back. Uh, Lord, in the spine, in Jesus' name. Sciatic nerves. If there's anyone else here, he called out cancer, and there's somebody here that has been going through chemo, and and I want you, and I just heard the testimony that cancer is 65% gone throughout his body, and let's just believe 100%, come on, 100%. So thank you for the season of ministry, this season of fruitfulness, fruit 24-7, fruit 12 months out of the year, specifically for, that's your friend, Karen, right? Yeah. Leslie, what's her name? Leslie. Leslie, bless you. Hope you don't mind me doing that. Bless you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Can I just lay hands on you real quick? L- just lift your hands to the Lord. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, worship team, stay here and just flow. We want you to come. Come if you need prayer. Come and receive Jesus. Come and receive a new start. Come on. If you're turning your heart to God, just come. We have a prayer team up here. We'd love to pray. If not, love someone before you go. You may be dismissed. Was there anything else you wanted to say? There's cake in the foyer and also pick up your kids. Thank you.